Good morning, everybody. Happy December 13th. Okay, uh, hope you guys are all uh, getting ready and, you know, you're ready for the holidays and your Christmas presents and Hanukkah and all that good stuff. Uh, and you're working your days you're supposed to work and then having some time off, too, to enjoy. I jokingly uh, said to Mark the other day, it's great that Christmas and New Year's are on a Saturday on the weekends this year. <laughs> but, you know, we have time off and we have all that good stuff, too. So, but today... We are very fortunate today from the Sahara branch, one of the founding members of this company, and I'll give you a couple other tidbits that he's done as well during this call, Mr. Jack Woodcock. Jack, welcome to the call. Good morning, Rick, uh, Rick and thank you so much for the invitation. <laughs> my pleasure. My pleasure. It was great seeing you the other night at the uh, installation dinner, too. That was great. Yes, yes, it was. It was a great affair. It really was. It was, it was great uh, seeing the new president get installed and seeing Aldo do his way out speech and Mark got an award, and that was great. And It was fun. It was great. You guys really do a great job. I mean, it's, you can just tell the people that are always involved, and you can tell you're one of them for sure. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's become quite a tradition, and I'm, uh, but we're always looking for new people to carry on and, and kind of learn a little something from what we do and then bring their own new ideas in. It's it, it creates a great mix, and I think I think Aldo would agree that that's that's certainly the way he looks at it. Yeah, yeah. He's been uh, he's been involved for quite some time. He's been a director for quite some time, and so I think it's great. So, well, Jack, tell me a little about yourself. How, how long you've been doing this, and you know how this company started. Give me a little idea, because I know because I got to watch the uh, video, which I'm going to mention in a, in a few minutes, but of the history of. Las Vegas area realtors at the time, it was called Galvar. By the way, I'm just going to mention it now. If you haven't seen that, you also do a thing about the history of Summerlin that's on YouTube too, don't you? I do. I do. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting. When you've been around for a long time, you, you sometimes uh, you forget uh, all the things you were involved in. But uh, I, I started in this business uh, shortly after I arrived at Nellis Air Force Base. I was... Uh, I was in the Air Force uh, uh, when I came to Nevada, and uh, mm -hmm. I spent my first year of uh, my my last year, I should say, of my career in the Air Force um, out at Nellis Air Force Base. I got out, uh, got my real estate license, and started in the business in uh, in 1974, and uh, that's. When I met Mark Masevic, he was the instructor at the real estate school that I, I went to. He, Steve, and I became uh, good friends, and we became managers for a company called Jack Matthews and Company. And then uh, in 1979, we all uh, started a, a, an independent company called Americana Group. And in 1979, it was... Uh, there wasn't a lot of business in town, and within uh, within one year, we had about 100 people in our company. We grew to be the largest company in the entire state within the first year. That's incredible. And, so, and then we, we, we took on the Better Homes and Gardens franchise. Meredith Corporation uh, decided it wanted, to go, it wanted to go into the real estate franchise business and leverage its name. So we took on the Better Homes and Gardens franchise uh, in uh, just one year later, 
and and then in 1999 we merged with Prudential, and right. uh, that was uh, that was a big milestone in the company, and right. and then of course uh, we we continued to grow. Uh, we were a part of uh, uh, Steve Games and Niter Church were part of that uh, that group, and they they had California properties, and so that's that's a that was a connection that we made that we that we certainly learned a lot from. But they brought a whole different style of real estate to the table, and uh, it's just it's a good example of being open to learning new things and. And we certainly did, and it helped to elevate us uh, even further as far as increasing our market share. And we, shortly thereafter, we had somewhere in the neighborhood of a 27 to 28 percent market share for the entire valley. And wow! So we were uh, we were recruiting a lot of great people, and I think you'll find that there is a large percentage of the people who have remained in this business that have come through our doors and learned uh, all the things that we have been able to to help teach them. Um, mm. And so, uh, and then of course, uh, many people are aware that Prudential in 2012 or 13 decided that they would sell off the real estate affiliate side of their business and maintain their their emphasis on financial services and insurance. And that's when the Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway stepped up and purchased from Prudential the uh, real estate affiliate side. And, and we, in 2014, changed the name to Berkshire Hathaway. Right. So that's a little bit of a history. And... Uh, and along the way, I've uh, I've done a, a few things. I've, I've I've been the probably the partner that's that's stayed involved with the association. Uh, probably uh, had more community involvement uh, to re- help represent the company uh, in the marketplace, and so right. uh, joined a lot of things. Uh, Helped found the, uh, I was uh, personally involved in helping found the Lead Institute for Real Estate Studies. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you also learned that I was on the, I was on the, the co- committee that uh, helped plan Summerlin. Uh, right. Which was I saw that. quite a, that was quite an honor early on, uh, getting to yeah. know the, those folks from Houston that came to Las Vegas and uh, help plan Summerlin from the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, Summerlin's a great area. I love it. I live in Summerlin, so I can tell you I love it there. It's absolutely fabulous. But, you know, Jack, I think that uh, all that stuff is incredible. And, you know, I know that – and by the way, folks, if you go on YouTube, you can see Jack. um, There's a history of Summerlin, which he's on there narrating. And then there's another one, the history of – Las Vegas area realtors at the time was called Galvar. That's also on YouTube. You guys should all watch that. Is the history of uh, Las Vegas. And I love that it's narrated by you, Jack. It sounds incredibly good. I, I remember that was one of my first meetings I went to because we, what you talked about in 2013, 14-ish, when the uh, change from Prudential to Berkshire Hathaway happened, that's about when I started with the company. I've been here seven and a half years now. 
But uh, give them an idea. I mean, from someone who's been in the market as long as you have uh, and still extremely active and doing incredibly well, all right, which is awesome, um, some of the changes, like I know that Vegas is, I mean, you probably don't even, it's so much different now than it was back then, huh? I mean, it's gigantic now compared to that. Well, it certainly is different. And, in, and the standards of practice in the real estate business have changed dramatically. Uh, right. And, and in, we used to be a very small town in so many ways. And the standards of practice were based upon uh, trust and based upon uh, the fact that almost everybody knew each other. Uh, when you when I started in the business, there was only about two hundred and fifty thousand people in the entire valley. It was there were two hundred and twenty thousand in seventy one when I arrived, and so we you you did business literally on a handshake and. Right. And the first and the first time we decided we would put a purchase and sale agreement together that had some standardization to it, it was one page. And it was uh-huh. one page one page for years. And and then we started going to uh national conventions. My first national convention was in nineteen seventy six and every year thereafter we started getting involved in the, in the kinds of things that uh, that we look back and and call progress. So we uh, we decided that w- maybe we needed to added add a few addendums or added a few pages to our purchase and sale agreement, just as an example. And so mm-hmm. as a, as time went on, we now have a, a tremendous amount of. of uh, paperwork involved in a, in a transaction, uh, far more disclosures than we ever had to have in the past. In fact, we even changed the way we operate dramatically because in the early days it was referred to as caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. And right. today, I remember that. today uh, we have to disclose everything and a seller uh, uh, has quite a bit of responsibility in ensuring that they provide all everything that, all the information they know about the property um, so there's been some major changes and that's one of them yeah it's so true because I started in 1985 I was 19 years old I got my license in 19 my first full year was 1986 and I remember a caveat emptor and it's still on everybody's test that they take today, buyer beware. But I would say probably right around, what was it, like 93, 94, where buyer uh, broker, buyer, the buyer agency, you know, the buyer broker agreement came into life, right? Do you remember that? That's right. That's right. And somewhere in the mid-90s, that's correct. Yeah. I remember. In the and, how did you feel about that when it first came up? Well, the, we had mixed feelings. In fact, like all change, there was a, a quite a bit of pushback, but that's when we started seeing a lot of people coming in from out of state, uh, especially from our neighbors to the west in California, because uh, a lot of things in, that that affect real estate nationally originate in California. They uh, and, and there are many re- many reasons for that, and 
over the years, California has been has has been sort of the leader in uh, in establishing new procedures. Uh, some to our some to our benefit, and frankly, I think they would all agree that some have slowed the process down and increased the amount of complexity to a transaction because we no longer enjoy a, a, a transaction where you can openly represent both sides of uh, of the transaction and, uh, and and not be at such great risk. Uh, right. Today, one has to walk, walk that proverbial fine line when you represent both parties. And however, we've we've that's a good example of one of the things we've been able to retain is the ability to do that. Right. Yeah. I think it, I think it, uh, uh, the you know, a lot of things. I, I agree with you 100% when it comes to California. But I think that was a really good time in real estate when they came up with the buyer broker agreement because you know it's like uh, now you have because I remember showing properties. And I always thought that was weird. So if I'm the listing agent, I'm the agent to the seller, and then the person showing is the sub-agent to the seller. And I always thought, well, who represents the buyer? <laughs> Nobody, right, until the buyer agency came out. So I always thought that was a little weird. But uh, so I think today the way it's set up, you know, and, and NAR, I think, realized with the lawsuits and so forth that, you know, they, I think what I heard is they, call, they would interview people and they'd call people up and say, okay, you bought this home and, you know, who represented you? And they would say, well, Sally Smith did. Mm, not really. So I think that's why they were, they said it's time for us to, uh, you know, have a, an agreement for the buyer. And I think that's why, that's why that was born, basically. Well, that's, a, that's exactly right. Because as, as we worked really hard to protect the ability to represent both parties, we had to come up with something to satisfy the legal community. And so the buyer brokerage mm -hmm. agreement not only solidified the relationship and 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 created this feeling on the part of the buyer that maybe they should be a little more loyal. After all, if they are getting representation in the transaction, uh, it's much like a seller. A seller can't just arbitrarily uh, right. give an agent a listing and then and then back out of it. Yep. You Agreed. so. It, it it created that relationship uh, with a buyer brokerage agreement that enabled us to maintain the ability to represent both parties. Mm -hmm. So I, I agree 100%. I think it's uh, you know it's all in, and you can still represent with dual agency. You can represent, but um, I think that uh, you know today it's um, there's definitely a little overkill. But I think NAR has got as far as the procedures and the paperwork and. Uh, all that down really, really well. But you know, so there's been a lot of changes in agency and paperwork and contracts. But what have you seen uh, stayed the same in the same time period? I mean, I see some things that have stayed the same. Do you agree? Without a doubt, I think the personal relationships yeah. you develop uh, have remained mm -hmm. the same. The the the, the amount of uh, emphasis we place upon. Uh, uh, making sure we say things just the right way, knowing full well. I mean, over time, you learn uh, there are some things that are going to be impactful and some things aren't necessarily going to be remembered uh, in a conversation. Right. And so when, when you know that there is something that should be impactful and remembered, you put the emphasis on that. Uh, so that the 
conversation, the typical conversation that takes place between parties uh, can remain uh, even light and and it can help develop the rapport a whole lot better when it comes time to put the emphasis on the things that matter in a transaction. We've, we've, we began to right. learn how important it is to say it twice or ensure that they, that they, that they, the party that you're talking to not only understands it, but uh, internalizes that that's an important deal point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. The personal relationships is by far, um, you know, and, and that's how you get your repeat and referral and your foundation and professionalism, or as Mark calls you, the consummate professional <laughs> in real estate. Uh, I thought that was great that night we had the uh, inauguration there. And uh, so, and, and also talking to people, right? The amount of people that you talk to has, made, has remained the same. Well, that's exactly correct. And making that good, yeah. that, uh, good first impression uh, is absolutely critical. One of the things that I will tell you is a little bit of a pet peeve with me is, mm-hmm. is it seems as though we have gotten away from, from the professionalism that I feel still uh, makes a difference, and that is I, I, I know that some people don't think that this is important, but I overdress for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm going to be in a potentially, potentially going to be in a, a work situation, uh, I never know when I'm going to meet someone for the first time, and I I want them to see me uh, as a professional. So I I still to this day wear a suit and tie to work, and I think it's important to set that kind of a example uh, for those that are coming up in this business because. We have gotten a little lax, and I'm not right. so sure that that's. I'm not so sure that that's. Uh, that's how we really want mm-hmm. to be portrayed, uh, because if you're going to be a little lax in some parts of your life, you're likely going to be perceived to be a little lax in others, and mm-hmm. uh, and so you, every one of us can can uh, dress the part with little or no. Uh, expense and so for guys especially if you if you if you wear a shirt and tie uh, you're you're you've elevated yourself automatically in the thing in the in the minds of those you're 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 dealing with and they'll treat you a little bit differently and so even though you may not have everything they want to hear might not be able to say everything they want to hear they're going to pay attention to what you're saying because there you've you've dressed uh, in the in the in the morning because you have taken the time to uh, ensure that anybody you meet is going to see you as a professional. Well, you know I agree with that. That's for sure, hundred percent. No question. No yeah, question. I, I you always look the part, Rick. Oh well, thank you. So you obviously you look awesome, my man. And I I I agree because I think. When and this is and I'm just going to add slightly to it. I think when you uh, when you're in a situation, well, Jack, let's face it. This is just yet another thing that's come from California. <laughs> when yes. I was in, when I was when I was in San Diego, man, I would go in. You know, my little joke when I was in California was agents would say to me, "You're overdressed for San Diego," and I would tell them, "You know what's funny? 
I've never had a seller say that to me. Only agents, right? Isn't that interesting? I was at a listing, pre- I was at a listing presentation, and people think there's competition here. When I was in San Diego, I mean, it wasn't uncommon to have people interview five or six people. And I remember this one for sale by owner. She listed with me, and she said, with the team that I was working with, she said to me, uh, it's very refreshing to have someone come in who takes their job as seriously as you, obviously to dress like that. The last guy that was here had flip-flops and shorts on. Now, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you have shorts and flip-flops on and I come in and I'm dressed with a suit on, like you just said, Jack, they look at you differently, they treat you differently, and they also respect you differently. So I think that's a – why start off in a hole when you don't have to is my opinion. Oh, that's exactly right. I think it it would give everyone a jump start – and their communication with others just by uh, dressing a little more professionally. Yeah, totally agree. Especially with that wonderful Berkshire Hathaway brand that we have, and then you dress the part too. I got to tell you, you go on an appointment and you say even something's right, you're going to get that listing every time. <laughs> so, all right. Oh, that is anything. That is so true. Look, look at look at look what we have uh, as a backstop. We have the Berkshire Hathaway name, which uh, everyone has respect for, uh, which mm-hmm. probably sets us apart more than any any other one thing that we we have in our arsenal. And then right. you 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 walk in and you look the part, and you're you're gracious and you're and you're courteous to people, and you uh, treat them with respect. Uh, that that gives you another step in the right direction, and and if you're if you're somewhat prepared, uh, your your success rate in getting the business is going to improve significantly, uh, right? With those, when you consider those few things, and almost everybody can do that. Right, and agreed. If you use the if you use the company tools, what you have in there, the listing presentation, the CRM, the VAC 2.0. I mean, you're really uh, bulletproof, for lack of a better term. So this is brings me up to uh, my favorite question, Jack. I want to hear this from you, too, is, you know, with your vast experience and knowledge and, you know, really forming this whole area and helping form this whole area as far as real estate go, if you could tell – and you can repeat one you've already said. If you could give people the three most important pieces of advice to be successful in this business, what would they be? Well – as, as trite as it sounds, you start your day off by making your bed. Uh, I know that every mm-hmm. one of us have heard that uh, over time, but it sets the tone for what we call discipline. And you, when you mm-hmm. get up in the morning, you everything you do in the very beginning uh, is going to help provide you with a with a mindset that's going to carry through the day. And mm-hmm. we and we have to take care of ourselves, and that that means for most that your exercise routine is in the morning. Uh, I find that that's uh, that's the very best time for me because every one of us have to, uh, especially at this point in our lives, we have to take good care of ourselves, and taking good care of ourselves is is some kind of an exercise routine. None of us are blessed to be able to get around having a good exercise routine. So uh, mm-hmm. part of it is when you get up in the morning, you, you, you do something that starts the discipline and 
and we we used to say in the military uh that's one of the reasons why you get up in the morning and so much emphasis is is placed upon making sure that your bed is made properly but it's right. not about the bed. it's not about the bed it's about creating a mindset uh yep. for the rest of the day i love that one and uh then always be open to learn something because when we get to the point that we feel as though we know it all and there's nothing more that uh, that we need in order to perform out there in the marketplace that's when we that's when we start to see our business uh drop away and the competition starts to get the best of us is because we're not open to learning something new um mm-hmm. another a thing is it, try do your level best to meet somebody new every single day getting in front of someone that you have never met before uh every day whether it's whether it's just somebody taking somebody out to lunch or whether it's going to a meeting and and introducing yourself uh and and one of the things that that enables you to do that is you 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 recognize the importance of community involvement. By by that, I mean join a Rotary Club, join the Chamber of Commerce, join something that doesn't require a great deal of qualification that you might not have, but it it gets you on the right track to mm. to create a, a, a large Rolodex of people that you can call for a variety of things, and when when people call you because they know that you've got a great uh list of contacts you'd be amazed how much that improves your business because right. in, in many respects the more people you know and the more and the more that others know that you're a kind of a central uh you're 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 kind of a central source for that sort of information uh the more people are going to think of you when the time comes to buy or sell real estate. Uh, I've I've looked at community involvement as one of the primary uh, drivers of the of the amount of business that we've been able to generate and sustain um, because it's enabled me to to be perceived. Uh, as someone who really cares about the community, cares about the importance of, uh, of the decisions that are made uh, at all levels. And I've also made it a point to remain connected in the politics of our city and our town and our county, as well as our business. And mm-hmm. because that keeps you also connected at a different level. And if if you don't look at that as a as a a reason to uh, get involved and stay involved, then you're going to find that somebody else is always making the rules for you. I'd much right. rather have I'd much rather have a place at the table and help make those rules instead of having someone else make those rules for me. Hmm. Great. So so. Create that little bit of discipline in the morning when you get up out of bed uh, mm-hmm. and understand it from the standpoint of what it really means. And it's not just getting your bed made, but it's it's creating a mindset early on. Community involvement, 
play a role in your community and understand the importance of that. And then when it, when it comes right down to it, be part of the rulemaking that is going to uh, help you understand the business better, understand the importance of uh, that place at the table. So that those three things may kind of work together, but uh, I, I hope somebody can find some distinction that there are differences in those three things. Absolutely. No, they definitely are. Definitely, definitely are. And I just wanted to say, so, yeah, and I'm also going to send that out as the email this Saturday to the whole company, a picture of you, and I do a social media post on those top three points that you just gave, which I think are awesome. And I just want to say, Jack, thank you very much this morning for taking your time out. This has been completely educational and awesome. It'll be on my YouTube channel. It'll be on my podcast. So I'm looking forward to getting, those, to getting this recording on there. And people view and listen to them throughout the year and so forth. So you've been very helpful today, my man. I really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you soon. I just want to say happy holidays to you and your family. Thank you, Rick. You do an amazing job, and I, and I know you have a great following. And uh, I hope everybody uh, that's hearing this uh, has a wonderful holiday and a great year. Prepare yourself for 2022. It's going to be awesome. I really, I agree with you 100%. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk you're, soon. You're, Thank you're you. welcome. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you.